of life to the people that were living in this time. And, and we live in tough times now, but the times were just as tough there. They had an oppressive government. They had an oppressive religious system. They had a pantheistic uh, religious uh, people there in different areas. The Romans were pantheistic. The Greek culture was pantheistic, meaning there were multiple gods. Okay? And so, so those who are followers of Christ were, were being, con being controlled or being conflicted with these, these old systems or, or these fleshly ways that were not compatible to the ways of God. And so Jesus was offering life and saying, blessed are those who are this. So let's go, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. I, I've already talked about these last weeks, but we're going to talk about a couple more today. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this morning we're going to concentrate on uh, verses... Um, 7 and 8. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Father, we need you to speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts up, because if that was part of the worship, that Father, you want to see to our hearts. You want us to have a heart of worship. And your word says that, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. We want to see you today, God. So speak to us today through the word. Thank you that you allow me to be your servant. And bless this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so here we go. The first one we're talking about, number seven on your notes, we're, we're on seven, is blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. What is, what is mercy? Okay? The basic idea from the Greek language is it's to give help to the wretched, to relieve the miserable. Basically, mercy gives attention to those who are in misery. Okay? Grace, now listen, we're all saved by grace. Grace is is, is, is shown to those who, un, who don't deserve it, but mercy is compassion to the miserable. So really, to, to the Jewish person, when Jesus used this word, and he, of course he spoke, Jesus spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and when he was speaking this sermon, it was written uh, possibly a few words in Aramaic, but mostly in Greek, and he was saying to the, to the people, he was saying using the, the concept that the Jewish people who were there listening to him understood that the Jewish word for Mercy was this. He was saying, blessed are, the, are those who are merciful for they were received. He was basically saying, blessed are those who can get into the skin and see through the eyes and feel the pain of those people who are wretched for they will receive mercy. Do you, does that make sense? You see, we sometimes lose the translation of the word. We say, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. That's great, God. That's awesome. But Jesus is saying, blessed are those who can feel and understand the pain that the person is going through and to be reminded that they once were wretched at one time in their life as well. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I want to remind you that you were once wretched too. And I want to remind you before you cast judgment on this person, before you stone them, before you throw the book of the law at them, to be merciful because God is merciful to you. You see, this is deep implications to us because sometimes... Pastor Stan struggles with being merciful to people. I'm sure you could raise your hand and say, that's probably me too, right? And so Jesus was saying, don't just have pity on them, but have a strong sense that you can somehow relieve their suffering. Micah 6.8 says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, that is, to, He requires of you 
to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. They were, they were doing all these sacrifices and praise, and he says, that's not really what I want. I want your heart, as we sang about it this morning. So, so letter B, mercy is compassion in action. Say compassion in action. Listen to me today. I believe the church in America would see more salvations and would be more practical if we ourselves practice mercy. Come on, amen? You see, the Lord spoke to me. He said, because the church sometimes, we, we say, I hope they get what they deserve. So we think, man, they deserve that. Be careful how you say that. You see, God doesn't want us to get what we deserve. He wants to be reminded of that Jesus lived and taught is that we must have mercy on those who are different. Mercy means active goodwill towards others. In fact, he then went on in, in Luke chapter 10. I'm not going to read it all, but Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. I have it. Write it down. And it talks about that, that the priest and, 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 and the Levite, when they saw the man that was robbed and beaten and sitting on the side of the road, they walked by him. And, and at the time, the religious people said he deserved that. God was judging him or he was living a such and such lifestyle. But how did they know that? And the Samaritan, one that was hated by the Jewish people at the time, he's the one that said, oh my goodness. And he went and he said he had mercy, compassion in action for the man on the side. Because possibly, who knows, I'm just reading into us, maybe the Samaritan, that happened to him one time. In fact, in the last part, it says this, verse 37, the expert in the law replied, because God said, who is the merciful? Who is the neighbor? And he says, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, does this mean you have to stop every time you see someone on the street begging or asking for money? No, you need to pray about that. But when you, in, in, in your situation, when God says to you in your heart, be merciful to that person, you need to act in mercy and say, God, what am I supposed to do? Amen? You see, I believe the church would make more differences in people's lives if we were more merciful. Because then let her see. Are you, are you hearing this? Mercy is forgiving. This is forgiving and pardoning the person who is in the wrong. You see, we like to be in the right. Right? Am I right? See, I'm just teasing you. We, we want to be right. And we want people who hurt us to pay for their wrongdoing. Come on, it's, it, it's true. And one of the first examples in the Old Testament was Joseph was a good example. His brothers wanted to murder him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him as a slave. He was in prison for many years, falsely accused. And then his brothers come to him when he is now the second in command of all Egypt. And Joseph has an opportunity. Joseph can throw the book at them and say, you're going to go to jail. Every one of you slime balls are going to die. But what did he do? He cried. He had mercy on them. He forgave them. In fact, Genesis 50, 19 through 21. Write that down. Genesis 15, 19 through 21. He basically said, am I in the place of God? And then finally, it says in verse 21, so then he said, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And, and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. See, that's mercy. Speaking kindly to them. You see, the merciful person remembers their own sin and that God was merciful to them. You see, I hear in society, and sometimes I hear in the church, we want justice, we want justice, we want justice, no justice, no peace. You heard that before? No justice, no peace, we want mercy, we want it now. Ah, and they chant and, they, and all that. But sometimes we've got to say, you know what, Lord, I don't want justice. Because I don't want to receive what is due to me. 
I want you to remember that when you've been wrong, when you've been despised, when you've been manipulated, when you've been hurt, or another group has been hurt, yes, we need to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. But we've got to be careful when we say, God, you need to burn them. Because you deserve that same burning from God. You know what I'm talking about. And we've got to be careful. God, I don't want justice because your justice is pure. It is right. Amen? You see, I believe again the church in America needs to have mercy. In fact, Psalm 103, 8-10 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He arbor His anger forever. Thank you for that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. God is merciful. Amen? You and I need to be merciful. We need to be forgiving. In fact, the next one then is this. You need mercy in your life. Maybe some of you are this morning, you're at a place that you've done wrong. God is offering you mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ, today. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, that God will forgive you of your sins. The Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? From the destructive ways that you have in your life. You see, our world that we live in, it's filled with hate, wrongdoing, revenge, and judgment. In fact, it, it tells us to get away from people that are different than us, ostracize and, and, and point fingers at them and blame them for problems. And that's not the way of God. You see, sadly, this attitude slips into the church sometimes. And really what our, our world needs are Christians acting out in the love of Christ, showing mercy, not judging sinners, not hoping that sinners get what they deserve. Because again, God did not give us what we deserved. Amen? I call on you. I'm telling myself, I'm, I'm asking, Lord, help me to be more merciful. Help me to be more loving. Help me to show the love of Christ. Because see, again, the world tries to polarize us. Polarize each other. But God is saying, you know what? You need to be merciful to those who are different. Be merciful to those who have different views and beliefs. Be merciful to those who have a different lifestyle than you. Be merciful to those from a different country that maybe look different to you. Be merciful to those who have different political views. Amen? Luke chapter 6. Again, I'm not going to read it all, but write it down. Luke 6, 31 through 36. I will read verse 31. It says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Our society says the opposite. Jesus says, do to others as you'd want them to do to you. And then in the last verse, verse 36 of that, it says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. You see, when you and I show mercy, not anger, not judgment, we move into a deeper relationship with our God. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Amen? You see, again, I believe the church in America would grow exponentially if we begin to practice mercy a little bit more. That we love people. We don't have to accept their sins, we don't have to accept their lives, but we can sure love them. And say, that is your choice to live that way, but I want to be your friend and I want to show you Christ and that He can set you free. Amen? Are you doing good this morning? The next one, letter E, mercy. Mercy is graciousness. R.T. Kendall, who's a great pastor, had a pastor of a church in England, he's retired, he lives in the United States now, he says this, true godliness or mercy is when you demonstrate graciousness even though it hurts. Isn't it hard to be gracious sometimes? When that person cuts in front of you, 
When, when, when the boss or the coworkers take advantage of you or, or you're in line and, and the person thinks that they can just get in front of you even though you've been in line for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, right? Isn't it hard to be gracious when people are rude to you? But you see, mercy means graciousness. It's, it's how, how do you make fe- people feel when they've done wrong to you? Do you make them feel guilty? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to show them graciousness because someone was gracious to me. You see, we, we, again, we, we've all been wrong. We've all been hurt. We've all been lied to. We've all been manipulated. But none more than Jesus. Think about Jesus. The Bible said, I talked about last week, is our attitude should be that as of Christ Jesus, who considered himself a servant. Look how he treated those who wronged him. They spit on him. They crucified him. They cursed him. They blamed him. He still loved them. Amen? Let me read two things to you that are very important. True godliness is not reminding people of their faults, their failures, or their past. Let me me put this real delicately, okay? Listen to this. Cut some people some slack. Come on, amen? Cut people some slack. Don't be ready to judge so quick. Don't be so rude to them. This is me speaking to myself. Because someone cut you slack. Someone cut me slack. We need to be loving to people. Amen? James 2, 12-13 says, So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. Therefore, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. Letter F, I'm getting down to the end of this. Letter F, are you forgiving? Are you forgiving? You see, life is too short. Life is too short to keep record of all the wrongs. My goodness, some of you have a record in your mind. Some of you probably had on the computer a log of all the people that have done wrong to you. Life is too short for you to live like that, amen? And that's exactly what the devil wants you. In fact, if you've never read the book, The Bait of Satan, or gone through the class, or doing it right now, it's a powerful book. We can be offended about all kinds of stuff, right? And the Bible says that's what the way the devil traps us is by us being offended. I hear it all the time. People in the church outside the world, I'm offended, 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 I'm offended. And God calls that, in Luke it says that's the bait of Satan. That if we're constantly looking to be offended, you're going to be offended. I'm offended that you're offended. Amen? You see, we've got to get over this being offended. That's our world system, always being offended, always looking for problems, always blaming someone else. And God says, don't live like that anymore. In fact, if you don't know who Corey Ten Boom was, Corey Ten Boom was a, a woman that lived in a concentration, cha- uh, concentration, concentration camp during World War II from, the, from the, uh, the, the Nazis. And it was, let me just read this to you because I want to make sure I get it right. She, she was preaching in a church in Germany. And it says this, I was at a church, this is Corey Ten Boom, a woman who, who wrote the book The Hiding Place. She said, I, I, it was at a church service in Munich and I saw him, the former SS soldier who, who stood guard at the showers room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I, I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I had 
I, who had preached so often to the people in Bloomingdale, the need to forgive kept my hand at my side. Even as the anger, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I pray to forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I, I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathe a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. You see, that is mercy. And if you don't understand what the, what the Nazis did to the Jews and those who, who were against Nazis, they, they did some evil things to them. And so here, she's faced with seeing this man, and, yet, and she says, God, help me to forgive him because I can't. And God helps her. You see, that is mercy. Because all of us have been wrong. All of us have been hurt. We should let mercy flow out of us so that we can be healed. And that heavy burden of pain, of being wrong, does not haunt us and weigh us down in our relationships with our family and friends. Because every one of us in this room have been hurt. You see, if you're a Christian, you can forgive. Amen? And not only can you, but you must, so that you can receive mercy. Letter G, are you merciful as God is merciful? God has been speaking to me about this. God has been hoping the church would wake up. Do we see people as Jesus sees people? Do we see people as Jesus sees people. We must look at people through the eyes of God. We must see people as Jesus sees them, slaves of sin, of hell and death. Amen? You've got to stop looking at people have a different political view and saying, oh, those people. You've got to start saying, God loves those people. People of a different race, people of a different nation, of a different island, of a different gender, of a different preference. You've got to say, God, help me to look at them in the eyes of Jesus because Jesus loves them. Amen? You see, you must see people as victims. That obnoxious neighbor. I, I had many neighbors that they were up every Saturday night partying, drinking, and you could hear it, and, and, and it just was loud. And I was like, Lord Jesus, help. And I would get mad sometimes. God, blow up their stereo system. Let their beer be like water. I, mean, I would pray crazy prayers. Let them go to sleep. And, I would, and, and oftentimes they would not. They would just turn the music louder. You know, my walls are vibrating. And, and their, you know, their beer bottles, you can hear and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need help. i got church tomorrow. But God would always say to me, be merciful to them. Love them. Even though they were obnoxious. God, you see, maybe you have a cutthroat co-worker. We've all had that. Maybe a family member who's, who's just in the wrong and they, they, they just keep wounding you. You say, God, help me to love them. Don't just look at them as, oh, I pity them. But say, God, help me to truly see them in the eyes of Jesus. Amen? We must see them as people that are governed by the God of this world. Luke, I'm sorry, Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 24-26. And, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, they must be kind to who? Come on, you got kind to who? It doesn't say just kind to people that vote like you, kind to people that you like. It says kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must... Gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the, truth, of the truth. And they will come to their senses, listen, and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive 
to do His will. Sometimes we forget the enemy has our family and our friends, our co-workers and our neighbors under His spell. And we are called to reach them through loving them with, what's the word? Mercy. Mercy, amen? The reward of mercy. The reward of mercy. Let me talk about this before I go to the next thing. Luke 6, 36-38. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will forget, you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lips. Lap. For Listen, for with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. The way you judge people will be back to you. The way you love people will be poured back to you. Amen? God remembers. God sees what we do. He sees to our heart. Amen? And He will reward us according to our actions. So for you and I to be free from guilt and shame and condemnation and heaviness, we've got to say, God, help me to forgive. Even if it's hard, you have to say, God, help me to forgive. And when you and I act in the love of Christ, the love of Christ will be poured back into our lives. Isn't that awesome? And you see, the pain, the devil will try to use the pain and he'll try to exert it in your life. He'll try to keep you burdened. Don't allow him to have control of your life anymore. Amen? Let's talk about this last one before we end in a few moments. Blessed are the pure in heart. Isn't God's word good? You and I need mercy. Amen? But now let's talk about being pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Or the message says this, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. What is purity? Well, it really means clean, clear, and pure. And Jesus was not talking so much about getting sin out of your lives, which He is part of that, but He was also saying a clear heart. One that is not mixed with something, a, a single loved heart, a, a heart that loves one person, that's God. In fact, theologian William Barclay states, Blessed is the man whose motives are always entirely unmixed, for that man shall see God. So it's not so much just getting wickedness out of our lives, but it's having a heart that is singular in focus to God. A heart that is singularly in focus for love. In fact, R.T. Kendall, the theologian I mentioned earlier, pastor said, a heart that has no debris, nothing impure, a heart that, is, that, it, that, that does not withhold, and it's just focused on love. You see, that's true love. Amen? So what God is saying, what Jesus was saying, not just do I don't want you living in sin, but I want you to have a single focused heart that has one love. The commandment to the Jewish people was to love the Lord their God with what? All their heart, their mind, their strength, their soul. One focus. God was to be the love of their lives. Amen? And so, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We say, wait a minute, Pastor. Jeremiah 17, 9, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Paul said, Who will save me from this wretched man that I am? But the psalmist says, God can give a, a pure heart. Psalm 51, 9 and 10, he says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit in me. And then 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God can make you a pure person. Amen? You see, your heart which is wicked, God can take it and change it and purify it. 
But you've got to say, God, purify my heart. God, I confess my sin. So what is the heart? What is the heart? The heart is not just the, that little, the biggest muscle, the biggest living organ in your body that pumps blood and keeps you alive. What, what, what Jesus was saying was, I'm not just interested in your spiritual acts. I'm not just interested in your intellect. I'm interested in your heart being, your center, who you are. The heart was the center of the personality. Listen, a person can have intellectual knowledge of the Bible, but still be unchanged. There's a lot of people that read the Bible, they go to church, but they just hear it, it's, they hear it in one ear, it's out the other. And Jesus is saying, no, I, want, I want it to gut, go into the ear, then I want it to go down into the soul, into your heart. I want it to, then I want it to affect, affect who you are, and then I want it to go out in your life. That's what he was saying, is I don't want you just to hear it, I want you to be merciful. I want you to be pure. You see, as in the scripture, it, it indicates affections, emotions, self-will, and intellect. God says, not just the, the beating heart, but I want your affections. I want your emotions. I want your will. I want your intellect. Blessed are the pure, not on the surface, but pure in everything, in their affections, in their emotions, in their will. And they're like, for they will see God. In other words, this is a heart that is sold out to God. You see, in our society, people are sold out to all kinds of things, aren't they? I mean, they're selling their souls for all kinds of things. And yet, sometimes in the church, we struggle selling out to God. And God says, if you seek my kingdom first, I will take care of your kingdom. You seek me with your whole heart, I will take care of your life and beyond. Amen? And so the question for us is, do we have a single love for God in our hearts? So purity is a person that is sold out purely. Our motive is to serve God. Amen? So it's when the offering plate comes on, we don't just say, oh, i got to give money. It's, God, I get to worship you. Or, or when you're serving someone, it's not, oh, I have to serve. It's, I get to serve. This is an opportunity to bless other people. In fact, Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to some people. It says, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You see this, purity means this, letter C, it means greater seeing. You, you, see you see the world in a different place. You see people in a different aspect. You see life differently. Amen? They move beyond the five senses, which are awesome. But we move into a new spiritual insight. And church no longer is an activity, but it's an opportunity to meet with God. Isn't that awesome? So on Sunday mornings when you're tired and you're groggy and you're cranky like I am sometimes, I say, God, prepare my heart because this is not about me. This is about you. Amen. And let me get beyond being tired. or the, the music's loud. The video's loud. Pastor Stan is loud. Oh, my goodness today. Oh, they're asking for something else. Coats. Oh, Christmas. Oh, oh. Say, no, God, help me to see with a pure heart. That this is an act of love. I can show love to people. I can go worship God. I can hear from God through whoever's speaking. Amen? It's, it's a new spiritual insight. You see, it's no longer now a job and a career to pay the bills. Now it's an opportunity to be salt of the earth in your careers. It's no longer, I'm just a student, but no, I'm a missionary in one of the greatest mission fields of all the world. When I was a youth pastor, I would preach that often to my students and youth ministers. said, you are a missionary 
on your middle school, your high school, your college campus. Where else can you get all thousands or hundreds of students from all over the world coming in your school and they're sitting hearing from you? In fact, I remember in college during one of my speech classes at the University of Southern Colorado, we gave a speech and, I, and my speech was how it was preaching the gospel. I, I, I did the, basically the ABCs. And did anyone get saved? Did they repent? I don't know, but I took opportunity of it and I did it in love. So, so that's the greatest mission field. Amen? Isn't that awesome? You see, that's new spiritual eyes being opened. That's a new heart. It's no longer just, oh, changing diapers in the nursery. Dealing with those little blessings. It's an opportunity to say, you know what, I get to serve this family so that mom or that dad who are stressed out, who are burned out, can sit in the sanctuary and hear the message from God. Oh, I have to teach the kids. These little, bra- uh, these little blessings. You are now saying, I am teaching kids about Christ, making them disciples. Amen? It's no longer just feeding your kids and clothing your kids and hoping that you'll have some money so you can be empty nester. It's now saying, you know, I'm raising a warrior for Christ who will one day when I die, they will hopefully teach their child to be a warrior for Christ. Amen? You see that? I've known people, they're excited for their kids to graduate and get out of the house. Woo! Party! We're go- oh, we're going to go celebrate. And that's a blessing. But instead of telling your kids, we can't wait till you get out of the house, say, I want to pour life into you. I want to teach you about the hardness and how to survive, and not just survive, but thrive in life. Amen? Amen. Our society is so mixed up, it's so confused. As the young people say, or some of you say, that's jacked. We need to say our kids are awesome. Yes, they can annoy us at times. Yes, you can annoy them. Guilty. <laughs> but let's stop looking at them in the world. No longer is it troubles in life. No longer is it struggles, but it's an opportunity to mature. It's an opportunity to God to intervene in your life. You're at a place like, I don't know what to do. God says, I will help you when you call on me. It's an opportunity for God to help you out. Amen? Let me just give you, an, I was reminded of talking to Pastor again, what, and I don't, I'm going to be careful I talk about this, but the health insurance thing, wow, God help us. But I remember when Zoe, our, our one, we have two wonderful daughters, Michaela and Zoe, if you don't know about I talk about them on occasion. But Zoe was born, both our daughters were born in Salt Lake City, and, and the doctor that, that helped us with, with Michaela was telling us, you know, it would be better if I could get you to come to my hospital. So we call the insurance company, we fill out forms, we're on the phone, and we say, hey, can we, can my wife give birth to our second daughter at this hospital? Absolutely, it's fine. Everything's taken care of. So we're like, sweet. You know, Zoe's born. We're excited, just as we were excited with Michaela. And we're, we're all listening. And then uh, the Lord begins to move in our heart. You're, you're done with this church that I was at, the church that I had planted. You're done with this church. So I leave the church. No doors were open. I had no job. I had no income. We were, we were just living by faith. I mean, I literally, as I told you before, I would write a check to pay my house payment, knowing all I only had was half of that check. And I'm like, Jesus, and, then, and as soon as I wrote that check, put it in the mail, the next day, I'd get a check in the mail for the exact amount. Every month, I had to call family and friends in other church and say, man, I, I, I need help. Can you help us to put food on the table? Can you help us to... And it was embarrassing to do that. Can you help me, help me with my insurance policy? I've got to keep my health insurance up. So here we are, no income, zero income. In fact, that year was a, on my IRS, I had a negative income. And so then I get a letter from, from the doctors in the hospital, you owe us thousands of dollars. 
Because this, this baby of yours wasn't approved. Like, wait a minute. Here, yeah, is approved by living? Yeah, we approved. You said you approved. No, you, you didn't fill out this one form. I said, I filled everything out. No, you owe us thousands and thousands of dollars to pay up. I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars. In fact, I have negative income right now. Well, you need to set up a payment plan. Okay, Jesus, help me. Set up a payment plan. I'll, I'll try to pay you $50 a month. I tried and I missed one because I didn't have the $50. Immediately, I get a call. I get a letter. You owe us. It's due now. You owe us now. Go to the doctor. The doctor says, I'll forgive you. Thank God for that doctor. I still pray for her sometimes. I go and, and I'm at the point of, God, I need help. I'm desperate for you. I need you to work in this. Here's the new eyes that I didn't have a month before. I know you can do the miraculous because you've done miracles in my life and with my wife and I and with our church. I'm believing for a miracle. I go into the hospital. I go up there and say, listen, I, I, I don't have the money. The lady says, give me a second. She goes in the back. She talks to the supervisor and says, here you go. The bill is paid in full. You're forgiven. That is seeing with new eyes. Being pure in heart, saying, God, I can't pay this 10000 some odd dollar bill, but you are able. So no longer now, when you're pure in heart, are troubles things that can weigh you down, but they're opportunities for God to work in your life. Amen? You see, letter D is we, we, we need heart control, not more laws. Oh, Listen to what I just said. We need heart control, not more laws. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to, to any people. As you can see, our government and, and, and governments of the cross the world are passing more laws, more legislation, but yet our nations continue to spiral down. Why? Because the heart is evil above all else. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't need more external laws telling us to control people's behavior. We need hearts that are changed by God. In fact, Jesus said this, Matthew 15, verse 16. Are you so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whoever, whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then comes out of the body? Biology, by the way. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart, listen, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Can you believe Jesus said, are you so dull? In fact, the message, I love the way the message, I don't know if I have it or not. Do I have it or not? I don't. The message version says in, in Matthew 15, 16, Jesus replied, you too, are you being willfully stupid? That's the translation to today. He's saying, are, do you, are you being that dense? He was saying this to his disciples. You see, we get so focused on the world system, we want the world system to solve our problems. God's saying, are you so dense? They can't even solve their own problems. What makes you think they're going to solve the problems in the world? Amen? Listen, and I know, I, please hear me, don't, don't throw me out now, don't get mad. Guns don't kill people, people with Ill, evil hearts kill people. Guns can be evil. Yes, we should have some kind of control, but it's not the guns that are doing it, it's the people whose hearts are unchanged. You see, when in the, the first murder of the Bible, it wasn't... Weapon control is needed. It was heart control. Who killed who? He kills his brother. Cain and Abel. You know, the, it, was, it wasn't, they didn't need weapon control. They needed heart control. 
Our world is in trouble. Our, our country can pass. They can outlaw everything. I mean, I see that they're starting to outlaw certain, certain kind of foods and they're going to start telling you what kind of meat you can eat and when you can eat it. It's not that. It's a heart issue. The pure in heart will see God. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? To become pure in heart, you must open your heart to Jesus. You must say, Jesus, come in and cleanse the garbage out of my heart. Fill me, Holy Spirit. You must be in the Word. Here it is. Getting pure. Letter E. Let me move on because we're getting down to the end. Letter E. Getting pure. Getting pure is to become, is to become single-hearted for God. We must submit to God. James 4, 7-8. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. Listen. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash hand, your hands, you sinners. And purify your what? Hearts. You what? Double-minded. You see, we must say, God, purify my heart. That's the first thing you must do. Getting pure is purifying heart. The second thing, and you hear me say it often, is we must get our hearts out of the world. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What married person, what married person would allow their spouse to have another lover on the side? Why do we think it's okay for us to have different spiritual lovers on the side in the church? You know what I'm talking about. God's not first and I. We have different gods that we bow down to in the world system. And God says, no. Purify your heart, you double-minded. You can't have it both ways. It's me or nothing. Do you see what I'm saying? We must seek temperamental purity, saying, God, help me control my emotions and put my emotions lined up with the Spirit of God. We must, listen, we must, in a sex-saturated society, say, God, cleanse us of the sexual perversion that fills us. Amen? Amen. Romans 13, 14 says, Rather clothe yourselves with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Even, even financial purity. Not loving money or things. In fact, here's what... What Timothy says, 1 Timothy 6.10, for, listen, for the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, the love of money. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. God says you can have money, just don't love money. Amen? And our world says you've got to have money because that makes someone, that makes you someone. That money can destroy you just as fast as you can earn it. Let me move on. Letter F, improving vision and purity. You've got to say, God... Be honest with him. Say, my heart is not pure, or I have this thing in my heart. Acknowledge. Listen, acknowledge that only God can make your heart pure. Fill yourself with God's word. I know I say it often. I know you get tired of hearing say, but you've got to make an effort every day to read the word. There are a multitude of Bible reading programs on, on the internet, on computers. You can do, again, the U version of the Bible. You can do the soap, which I do, with, with, with lifejournal.cc. There's many ways. Fill yourself with the Word of God. Do not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Let's not throw out the Holy Spirit because we are afraid of Him. Let Him come in. He wants to purify. He wants to fill you up. Amen? And then finally, we need to think about where you will be in eternity. This world is not our home. Letter G, I'm ending. Seeing more of God. Do you want to be able to walk with God as Moses did, as David, as Joshua, as Daniel or Paul? We say, no, I can't do it because they were special. No, they were just like you and I. 
I mean, man, David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. But he said, create in me, God, a clean heart. We can. We can be like these men of God and women of God. We can, but it comes through single focus on God. God is my love. Amen? You see, yes, the Bible says no person can come face to face with God, but we can see Him and know Him. We can hear the voice of God. You can count that as seeing. We can see God filling us with the Holy Spirit. That is seeing God. We can see an angel, and that's like seeing God. We can have a vision from God. That's like seeing God. We can, we can see the miraculous in our lives, and that's like seeing God. Would you stand with me this morning? Are you merciful? Are you pure in heart? Are you ready to be truly blessed this morning? I, I want to have an altar time. But before I do that, I want to give opportunity, because you've heard me talk about Jesus this morning. You, you've heard me say that. It is with our, with our mouth we confess. And we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we can be saved. And you can be saved from a heart that is full of sin, or full of evil, or full of pain, full of depression, full of things in your life that you don't want. And with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just do that? Would you close your eyes and bow your head just for the privacy of those around you? This morning, I want to give you opportunity because Jesus is the rock that people stumble on. His word is offensive because our offenses are destroying us. But he says, I can give you life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life today. And so this morning, you're saying, you know what, that's me. I've never done this before. And if you've never received Christ, I'm going to give you opportunity. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, say, Pastor Dan, I want to accept Jesus because I want, to be, I want to have the mercy of God to wash my sins away, my wrongdoings, the things that I've done wrong. I want to accept Christ for the first time in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to accept Him. Okay, put your hands down. Everyone, everyone pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Make me whole. Make me pure. Fill me with your love, with your ways, and with your spirit. And thank you that today I am new in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the last thing. I I really feel that the Lord is calling some of you to come down because you need to have mercy in your life. Some of you, you need mercy. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You've done things that you shouldn't do and God's calling you down. Then some of you, you need to be merciful. God's calling you right now. Come to the front. Come to the front. Say, you know what? I need to be more merciful because God was merciful. I know this is a hard call, but please come as the Holy Spirit is leading you. Come to the front. Say, I, I need God to wash over my sins. I've, I've thought thoughts I shouldn't think. I, I've, been, I've done, done some things that I don't want to do in my life anymore. I need God's mercy to forgive me and wash me. Then some of us, we need, we need to say, God, would you deliver us of being less compassionate, less gracious, not cutting people slack when we need to cut. We want to, we want to judge people. Forgive us, Father. We don't want to be like the big brother who when the prodigal son came home, he was angry that the father forgave. Lord, we don't want to be angry when sinners come in and get saved, God. We don't want sinners to burn. We don't want sinners to get what they deserve. We, we want mercy. Come on down. You know what I'm talking about. Come down. You need to say, God, I need to have a heart of mercy. I need to be more gracious. I need to be more forgiving. I need to be more compassionate. I need to love those around me. I need to show the love of Christ to those around me, whether I agree with them or not, whether they have a different political view, whether they have a different lifestyle than me. I need to love them, and I want to show mercy on them. I want to be like you, Jesus, who felt their pain. You understood their burden. And I want to show them the love of Christ so they can be freed. And some of you say, I need God's eyes to look at my neighbors, my friends, my family, my coworkers, my, my, my fellow students. I don't look at them in the eyes of Jesus. Come to the front. Say, I want to be merciful like that. Come on. Come to the front. I want to be merciful like that. 
And then some of you say, Pastor Stan, I want a pure heart. God, I want a pure heart. I want you to be my first love. I don't want my job to be my first love. I don't want people to be my first love. I don't want things to be my first love. I don't want this world to be my first love. God, I want you to be my first love. Come to the front. Say, God, I want to make this about you today. I want my heart to be completely sold out to you. Forgive me for having this junk or having a different love in my life. You are the first love. Lord, we don't want to forsake that. So come down. I want a pure heart. Come on. I want God to clean my heart. I want God to heal my broken heart. Some of you have a broken heart. Come down and let God heal it. He is a merciful God. He is a compassionate God. Come to the front as the Lord leads you. Come on and say, I want to be merciful or I need mercy. I need God to purify my heart or I want my heart to be focused on Jesus or I need God to heal my broken heart. Come to the front right now. Come on. Come down as the Holy Spirit is leading you right now. Father, move on hearts. Help us, God. Deliver us from the lies of the world. This world is nothing, God. It has nothing over you. It has nothing better to offer than your love, your forgiveness, your compassion, your mercy. Come on, let the Holy Spirit flow right now. Lord Jesus. It's all about you, Just Jesus. worship Him right now. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I believe the Lord just spoke to me and some someone in this room, maybe a couple of, maybe just one person, you're doubting that God can forgive you for that thing that you did. That you think that God cannot forgive you. God said, I can forgive you of that. Just confess it and let me heal your heart right now. Father, for whoever that is today, you can forgive us of all our sins. Would you wash us now and make us whole, God? Would you, Father, make us more like you? Would you allow us to have mercy so that we can have mercy? Would you allow us to forgive so we can be forgiven and we can get rid of that burden that's been weighing us down, God? Would you help us to look at people with the eyes of Christ now who are enslaved to sin? Would you help us no longer to think that our faith is a burden, but it's a delight? Would you allow us to see with new eyes?